Hello, everybody, and welcome back to First and Gold, the hard-sitting, up-and-coming ACC and SEC football podcast on the internet today. It is Wednesday, November 23rd in the year 2022, and it is Turkey Day evening, y'all. Before we get into this thing, I am joined, as always, by my co-host, the one, the only, Big Rob. How's it going, brother? Going pretty good, brother. <coughs> going pretty good. Wonderful weekend of football, man. Ready to talk a little bit of football. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Quick question, though. If you continue on this journey you started recently, what are we going to call you? Because we can't keep calling you Big Rob. <laughs> For the viewers at home who don't know, Big Rob has decided to go on the weight loss journey. He has taken dieting serious, and just in a short amount of time, you have made some very significant progress, man. How, how's it going with it? It's going pretty good, man. Uh, started on Wednesday of last week, and I've already lost... 14, 15 pounds. Damn right. In a week. In, a, in eight days. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. I'm impressed and I am proud as hell of you, brother. I really am. I appreciate it, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Another step towards getting to these game days going forward. And just proud as hell of you, man. Just really am. Really am. Shout out to you. Appreciate that, brother. Appreciate that. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But uh, like I said, guys, we're here tonight. A lot of you probably noticed we did not record last week. We decided, me and Rob got together and talked about it, and we just decided it was best that we would take a stance and just go radio silence for a week in respect to Virginia and all the people and families affected by the tragedies up there in Whoville and the surrounding states where those kids are from. Yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. Such a tragedy. You know, you never want to see anything like that happen. You know, especially in a situation like this, man. You know, my thoughts, my prayers, you know, everything that I can do for you, man, you know, they, they go out to y'all. Absolutely, man. I mean, we love talking football relentlessly, but I'm going to tell you what, when a tragedy like that happens, it's horrible anytime. But then when it happens involving football and everything else, there's some things are way more important and above and beyond the game itself. And this is one of those times that it's just, we just, this, it would be disrespectful. We felt like to try to come out here and talk football and move forward last week. There's just too much. And even this week we are back, but our thoughts and prayers continue to be with all y'all. Oh, absolutely, man. It's going to be a long, hard human process. You know, we'll continue to pray for y'all. And I would like to take another moment just for another moment of silence and, and memory and, you know, respect for the Virginia team. Sounds good. All right. All right. Well, let's kick this thing off, man. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. What a wonderful week of football it was, though. Oh, man, it was fantastic. There were some great games on, man. And just really eye-opening weekend. Just, just when you think some teams are down and out and Things are looking bad. It just blows you away. I mean, for starters, Vanderbilt last week, man. I mean, you come off a win two weeks ago with an SEC win over Kentucky. Yes, sir. And then you turn around and take down Florida, who just blew out South Carolina Gamecocks two weeks ago. Right. I mean, no offensive touchdowns at all for South Carolina. Absolutely. And for Vanderbilt to come out there and go against the Florida team with so much momentum, Behind them, just I mean, everybody was figuring Florida was going to be in the top twenty-five. Yeah, 
I mean, they were making a great case for it. They were looking really impressive. Napier had them clicking on all eight cylinders. And they just hit a dead end, man, when, with Vanderbilt. Yeah, all of a sudden, Clark Lee punches Billy Napier in the mouth and calls it a day, man, with the with the Vandy win. Anchor down. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. All the horns and everything that was blowing during that game, man, it was crazy. I loved every second of Absolutely. And I, just, I love seeing Clark Lee make that kind of progress because year one, it was – they played their hearts out and they mm-hmm. fought their asses off. But, I mean, here we are coming into rivalry week, the best week of the year besides opening week. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's bittersweet. It's the best week, but it's also the last week. It's also the last week. I was just about to say. But uh, coming into rivalry week, man, I mean, Vanderbilt's playing for a bowl game. Yeah. Who would have thought? I never would have thought. I mean, me and you both said in the preseason, we figured Vanderbilt was going to sneak up and beat some SEC schools this year. and mm-hmm. How we thought Clark Lee was making a lot of progress. The team was really buying in. and Yeah, we both said that, you know, expect them to make a bowl appearance within the next few years, but I never thought it would be this year. No, I didn't see that coming. No, no, they're one game away. One single game away, you got Tennessee coming in from a butt kicking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna get into that in a few <laughs> minutes, but I guarantee Tennessee is not happy because that was the biggest upset of the weekend, not just in the ACC and the SEC, but probably in the country. All of football, probably the biggest upset of the season. <laughs> and that's just not because I'm a Carolina fan. I mean, you got Tennessee coming in there; they were ranked number five. Yeah, number five in the nation. Knocking on the door to play off. Hell, they were number one in the country two weeks ago. Hendon Hooker looking at the Heisman Trophy. Absolutely. And, I mean, they came into Williams-Brice. And I don't know what in the hell was in the water in Columbia (laughs) Saturday night. But that train got knocked off the tracks. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. They hit a brick wall. I don't know what happened. I don't know. What happened to Spencer Rattler, man? But that dude took it to a different level. Sat, said, F it. We're going to let it all hang out. And by golly, they sure did. Yeah, Cam Smith decided he was going to let us nuts out. <laughs> let them breathe. <laughs> I just, it blew my mind. Because, I mean, if you came to me, if I didn't watch the game, and you came to me Sunday morning, it was like, yeah, final score last night was 63-38. I'd be like, damn, Carolina scored 38 points on Tennessee. Right. Damn, I mean. That sucks, but Zane, I mean, hey, they put up almost 40 points. I mean, there's something, there's a positive coming out of there, but to sit there and watch that game from start to finish, it was just like, there's no way this is happening right now. There's no way. Right, I mean, right out the gate, South Carolina takes the ball down the field, converts on a fourth and, what, fourth and long? Fourth and six, I believe it was. Yeah, fourth and six. <clears throat> Scores the first touchdown of the game. I'm like, ooh, doggies, here we go. Bad thing is we got to give Tennessee the ball back. Sure enough, two minutes, if that, they score to tie the ball game up. And then here comes South Carolina one more again. Yeah. I mean, they just they wouldn't go away. And they got out to a 21-7 to start, which is really impressive, I must say. Yeah. But then after halftime, I mean, Tennessee punches one in the end zone right before halftime. And the first drive after halftime, they come out, get another touchdown, and all of a sudden, boom. Doing it down to a four-point lead for South Carolina. Yeah, you're down to a four-point lead, and I said, 
Here we go. Pretty much. Off the <laughs> Here we go. Let's just let's just get through this thing, man. Let's just get through this. Maybe we can still keep it a ball game, and then Carolina took off, and it's kind of ironic. They started the game, ended the first quarter, leading twenty-one-seven, and then they turned around and outscored Tennessee in the fourth quarter, twenty-one-seven. Yeah. It's like, damn, right? I mean, just every single player on that team, man. For this to have the outcome that it did, every single player on that team had to have their career-defining game. And that's sure enough what happened. I mean, look at Juice Wells. Oh, Juice Wells had a freaking all-star night. Well, like Randy Moss back in the day with Marshall. Oh, especially that uh, one score at the end, or the, the one catch at the end of the game to to get the first down to lead to that last touchdown. Absolutely. I mean, Juice Wells had an incredible night. Josh Van. Two touchdowns. I believe Jaheim Bell had two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Carry on Joyner, two touchdowns. Spencer Rattler, six touchdowns on the damn day. Yeah. To take the rec- the single-game touchdown record in South Carolina. Even got to see a Philly special thrown in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was just – I mean, I don't know what to make of it, man. I mean, we both said that this offense had this capability – but it's just not shown up at all this season. No, it really hasn't. And I just – hats off to Satterfield. you got to give him credit. I mean, that was – that was one of the most brilliant game plans I've ever seen called for a single game. And, listen, I've thrown my fair share of blame at Satterfield, my frustrations. Shane Beamer, I went off – I believe it was the last episode we recorded. Mm-hmm. I, I went off on Shane Beamer. I've been critical of Rattler, but I also, at the same time, I'm going to give them credit where it is due. And I'm telling you right now, Rattler, that's the Heisman contender, Rattler. Yep. You would almost say that's the Spencer Rattler of Oklahoma, but that was the best game he's had in his career. Ever. Yeah. So that's better than Oklahoma Spencer Rattler. I mean, we got the best of the best of him Saturday night. Shane Beamer. All night long, looked sensational to play calling on the field. Had the guys fired up, ready to play. Great job to him, Marcus Satterfield. The play call was genius. Speaking of play calling, man, what about them bringing Nate Atkins back at the running back spot to block? Oh, that was – I'm telling you, that was a thing of beauty. I'm telling you. I mean, that was the best – pass blocking. That was the most time Spencer Rattler's had all season. He still got sacked a time or two. Still took a few a few shots. Excuse me. But all in all, man, I mean, he just he had time. They also utilized Joiner with almost a triple option kind of RPO style play going on there. He could hand the ball off, he could pass it, or he could keep it. And it just the Tennessee defense was off balance from the start of the game to the finish. They never got settled in. It seemed like as soon as they started dialing on one thing, Satterfield would change it completely up and. Turn them upside down again. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. They did one thing that we've been, that I've been yelling all season, not only me, but just a bunch of people out there. And that's, that's thrown in the middle of the field using the slants, using the crossing routes. I mean, it was just a thing. Even, even when they didn't throw it over the middle of the field, they at least utilized the slants to do what they're supposed to do. It caught the safety off guard and makes them take one or two steps. And that's all it takes. Just a couple of steps to key on that to get that man streaking down the sideline. A little bit of room, a little bit of cushion. 
Yeah, utilizing the play action. Absolutely. It was sensational. And they finally used the carry on joiner. Finally, finally. I have been screaming about this how long? Since last year? Last year. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe my exact words were, if we're going to use a carry-on joiner and a wildcat package, it needs to be a tight package where you're bringing a man in motion, have a back in the backfield, and let him play action off of a jet sweep, let him do a read option, keep the defense off balance. When he lines up in a lone backfield on a wildcat, there's no mystery. Right. And it's never worked. It hadn't worked since they started. This worked. And this is something that no defense can get 100% adjusted to. No, you're 100% right about that. The only criticism that I'll say about Dak back there at quarterback is I wish they would have thrown it a little bit more with them, used a little more play action for passing. I mean, that, that throw to Spencer Rattler was was amazing, but I think they could open it up more if they let Dak throw it just a little bit more. Well, the thing is, though, they got one game left. True. And coaches have already mentioned, we're going to do a lot of last week. We're going to change a few things up. Right. There you go. Yeah. But before we get into this week's game, I had to go over that. But now that we've discussed the South Carolina game, I don't want to drag out Tennessee all night long. It was last week. It was great. But we got more important things to talk about. It's rivalry week, y'all. I keep saying that, but I can't put enough emphasis on it. It is freaking rivalry week. Yes, sir. Before we go into rivalry week, though, I just want to mention one more thing. I just want to just want to say my thoughts and prayers are with Hennon Hooker during his recovery with his ACL tear. You know, it's it's a hard thing. You know, I hate to see it happen, especially to a competitor like that. Hopefully, man, that knee heals up quick. You're able to to make a big name for yourself. No, absolutely, absolutely. I'm glad you said that. I'm a little scatterbrained this evening. <laughs> I'm very glad you said that, but I have no doubts whatsoever that he will come back from that injury and be just as great as he always was. Absolutely, man. And everybody's talking about him going to the NFL draft. One thing to remember, too, is if I do believe Hennon Hooker's got a year of eligibility left. I don't remember if he does or not. If he does, then it would be great to see him back in Tennessee, but I think after this ACL tear, he'd be more scared that he would uh, hurt himself again and miss out on the NFL. Yeah, I'm just throwing out there, man. I mean, Matt Corral was looking to be the top quarterback in the draft and tore his ACL. Right. And now he's fourth string. Yeah. At Carolina, I mean, so he's buried so far deep in the depth chart. I mean, I hate to say it for the old man, but he ain't. Yeah. You never overcome that. No, not at all. But, anyways. Moving on. Yes, sir. Moving on. Moving on. Which games do you want to discuss first? Do you want to go to the SEC or do you want to roll through the ACC? Yeah, we talked about the ACC. We're going to throw a little bit of the SEC in there with you. Um, let's go ahead and start with the SEC, shall we? Absolutely. All right. So, first game up, a turkey night game. Tomorrow night, everybody. Tomorrow night. Yes, sir. The Egg Bowl. Mississippi State at Ole Miss. That's going to be a 7 p.m. game. 
Damn right, so why you're farting out your deviled eggs and <laughs> watch the egg bowl. You try, try to get your turkey coma out the way early. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Up next on a Friday, we're going to have Arkansas at Missouri. That's going to be a 3.30 p.m. game. That's an afternoon on Friday. Yes, sir. And then we have Florida at Florida State. That's going to be a 7.30 p.m. game on ABC. All right. And then Saturday, November 28th, we got Georgia Tech at Georgia, 12 o'clock noon on ESPN. At 12 o'clock noon, that's the South Carolina and Clemson game. In Death Valley. In Death Valley on ABC. And then at 3 o'clock p.m., we got Louisville at Kentucky. We've got Auburn and Alabama at 3.30 on CBS. And then at 7 p.m., we have LSU and Texas A&M on ESPN. And lastly, at 7.30, Tennessee at Vanderbilt on the SEC Network. All right, all right, all right. Sounds pretty great. Well, before we go through these school predictions for that, let's go ahead and discuss the ACC upcoming games because we don't want to spoil anything. All right, I want you go ahead and read this one. All right. Let's see. Friday afternoon, 3.30 p.m., on ABC, we got NC State, number 24 in the country, at number 13, North Carolina, in Chapel Hill on ABC. After that, we got the Florida Gators at 7.30, playing Florida State, as we discussed a minute ago, on ABC. That should be a great one, guys. You don't want to miss that rivalry. Saturday, 12 o'clock p.m., as Rob said a second ago, we got Georgia Tech at Georgia on ESPN. Also at noon, we have South Carolina in Death Valley at number nine, Clemson, 12 o'clock p.m. on ABC. At three o'clock, we got Louisville at Kentucky on the SEC Network. 3.30, we got Duke traveling, or excuse me, Wake Forest traveling to Duke. 3.30 p.m. ACC Network. That should be a hell of a game. I can't watch, cannot wait to watch. Oh, absolutely, man. Then, 7.30, getting into the evening, we got Syracuse traveling to Boston College. That's going to be a cold one on ESPN3. That's going to be a blackout game. Unfortunately, guys, we're not going to be able to watch that one. This being that kind of season for Boston College, let's be honest. Then, 8 o'clock p.m., we're going to close out with Pittsburgh traveling down south to Miami playing the Hurricanes. 8 o'clock p.m., ACC Network. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, as you can see, Dan, rivalry week, some great games going on, man. They're stacked. Games. Absolutely stacked. I can't wait to go see score predictions because I'm going to tell you what, this has been probably some of the most difficult scores to predict. Oh, you ain't lying, brother. You ain't lying. It's, you would, it's really hard. You would think at the end of the season you'd have it'd be the easiest scores to predict because you figured the teams out. But, I mean, all these teams have just thrown so many curveballs at us. I mean, Georgia Tech. Coming alive, Duke been a little bit of a roller coaster, but just looks so much better from last year. Right, North Carolina plays great, and then they don't look so great. Miami up, down, up, down. I mean, it's just so many uncertainties. Yeah, not to mention Syracuse, man, with the year they started out with, and then kind of dive bombed a little bit. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Well, uh, which ones you want to go through first? ACC. Yeah, we'll go through the ACC first. All right, let's start off with that NC State-North Carolina game. All right, NC State-North Carolina, man. 
at the beginning of the season, this had all the makings of being possibly the best ACC game that would be played this year. Some things have happened. People got hurt. NC State's not as good as what it once was. I'm going to have to take North Carolina, taking uh, taking the win on this one, 35-27. Yes, sir. Okay, okay, pretty close, pretty close on. Yeah, I agree with a lot you're saying there. NC State's just had a lot of injuries throughout the year. It's been a pretty rough year, and even before the injuries, man, they have just kind of underwhelmed a little bit this year. Mm-hmm. Have not played up to the potential we all saw in the beginning of the season, even though, I mean, here it is last week of the year. They're still in the top 25. They started off in the top 25, and they're ending in the top 25 if they can pull off this game. Yes, sir. But you're playing in Chapel Hill. North Carolina's been pretty rowdy all year long. The crowd's been making a lot of noise. Mac Brown has just done a sensational job this year. He had a time machine and went back into the past. Yeah, he really did. Drake May has looked like one of one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. No doubt. But that definitely freshman of the year, probably. <laughs> There is nobody else I think I'd put over. But uh, this is going to be a tough game because, I mean, NC State, they've had a pretty good rushing defense. The secondary hasn't been bad. North Carolina's defense has looked a little shaky at times. The backup quarterback for Devin Leary, I, hell, I can't think of his name off the top of my damn head. I feel kind of bad about it, but uh, – <laughs> He is a bit of a dual threat, so that does cause some issues for North Carolina because they have struggled against dual threat quarterbacks this year. Yeah. But with all that being said, you got the home crowd. You got a North Carolina team that's carried a pretty good chip on their shoulder all the way through the year. I got the Tar Heels taking this one, man, 38-21. All right, I like that score. Moving on, we're going to look at the Florida-Florida State game. That 7.30 p.m. game. What you got for that one? All right, so let's see. <coughs> Give me a second here. All right, my bad, but Florida at Florida State. This is going to be a tough one for Florida, man. I mean, down at Bobby Bowden Field, mm-hmm. that stadium's been rocking this year. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has to do with the success Florida State's had. I mean, they have played really good football, to our surprise. Oh, yeah. They've had a couple games where they ain't look so good. For, for the most part, this is the most consistent season I've seen Mike Norvell put together since he's been there. The offense is really clicking. As much as I docked on Norvell and as much hell as I gave him, I'm honestly starting to think, okay, he could very well be the man for the job. Just might be a little bit of a late bloomer like Frank Beamer was back in the day at Virginia Tech. Right. But Florida – has played some really good football this season as well. And they have played some very physical football. That's one thing I worry about Florida State is Florida State's been pretty physical. They've been one of the more physical teams in the ACC. But I just don't know how they would fare against a huge physical quarterback like Anthony Richardson. Mm -hmm. It's going to be very, very interesting. Stadium's going to be rocking. But I'm going to have to go with the more disciplined of the two teams right now, in my opinion. 
I'm going to ride with Florida State on this one. I think they're going to take it 35 to 31. And it would be the first time they beat the Gators in a good while. I like it. I like it a lot. I agree with a whole lot of what you said there, man. Florida, Anthony Richardson, man, he's a quarterback that, I mean, once he decides that he's going to take off, man, it's going to take three or four people to bring him down. He's he's a wrecking ball, you know, when he's running the ball. Not to mention he's got a pretty good laser for an arm as well, so he can get it downfield. Florida's running game, I mean, it's it's also tremendous. Defense, I mean, they've got some guys there on the line that can, uh, you know, definitely stop the run. Florida State, I mean, they've got to where they can run the ball quite well. I mean, they're they're throwing the ball down the field too with ease. And it looks like they've come up with some better game plans as the seasons went on. They've gotten to a groove. And the speed of them, man. Yeah, speed is incredible. They have played with speed kills, man. And I know at the beginning of the season I said that. I will not drink the Florida State Kool-Aid no more. Can help it though. My statement of the sip. I'm taking Florida State to win this 28-17. 28-17. I like it. I like it. You, you think it's going to be a little bit more spread out than I do? Yes, sir. I'm just happy to see this rivalry back. Yes, sir. I mean, is. this is the first year in a good while where I've been excited to see Florida State and Florida play. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. I mean, other than last year. I really, it's been a really a hard watch because Florida's just been so much more dominant. Absolutely. Whew, I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> About four mixed drinks in. I've been working since one o'clock this morning, so <laughs> the hours is winding down. Rest well tonight, my friend. No, oh, I will. And tomorrow. <laughs> Turkey sandwiches. We're going to oh. rest up for the egg bowl. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's roll into Saturday. Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. <laughs> All right, Georgia Tech at Georgia, 12 o'clock noon Eastern Standard Time. I'll go ahead and take this one since you started the last one. Sounds good. Georgia Tech, they have come a long way since the coach changed. Man. They've been playing some great football. They've been physical. I mean, they pulled a big upset last week with North Carolina. <coughs> Georgia, on the other hand, man, I mean, what else can you say? It's Georgia. I think Georgia's going to be one of the deciding factors for the national championship. I'm going to take Georgia winning this dominant faction, 42 to 10. Great minds think alike. I've always heard that. <laughs> and I got to tell you, man, Georgia Tech has made a huge turnaround the season. They have played sensational football in games that I thought they didn't have a chance in hell in. They've made a big surprise. I think they have found their guy, her head coach. I don't think they have search. I think the man's already there. But Georgia Tech fans, do not base who you want as your head coach off of the game this coming weekend. Right. Because you got a, a damn avalanche, a tornado you're going up against in Georgia. I mean, they just they destroy Everybody they played against. And they've had a few sloppy games, but one thing's for sure, Kirby Smart's going to have this team dialed in to end the season on a strong note, mm -hmm. to put the playoffs on notice, mm -hmm. to put LSU on notice. I hate to say it, Yellow Jacket fans, but i got the Bulldogs taking this one, 45-10. Not far off. I like it. Field goal part. Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. I like it. I mean, what else can you say? It's a rabid bulldog down there in Georgia. Yes, sir. And they're about to take a bite out of that Georgia Tech yellow jacket butt. Yes, sir. We're going to skip the next game in the lineup. We're going to save it for last. All right. Next up, we got Louisville at Kentucky. 3 p.m. game on the SEC Network. What you thinking? I think that uh, Louisville's head coach, Scott Satterfield, mm-hmm. he has been up and down there the last two years. Hell, the last three years. It's just been up, down, roller coaster ride, extremely inconsistent. And Malik Cunningham plays really good football at times, but also there's times where he plays ball and really makes you wonder. Mm-hmm. And he's had some injuries he's fought. I'll be honest, I don't even know if he's 100% for this game. It's been such a roller coaster. I have not followed Louisville all that much this year. No offense, guys, but it's been hard to watch at times. <laughs> but it's just extremely inconsistent. That's the best thing I can say. Right. And you're going to Kentucky. You're playing at their field. At Commonwealth Stadium, better known as Kroger Field now. <clears throat> yes. And Mark Stoops has been nothing but consistent since he's been there. This year they've had a few ups and downs. But all in all, man, I mean, they fought a lot of injuries. And even when they've had injuries, key players have missed, they still found ways to stay in ball games. They did drop one two weeks ago to Vanderbilt. I don't know. I'm not going to blame Kentucky. I think Vanderbilt's just got a hell of a chip on her shoulder. But uh, I just think Kentucky's defense is going to be too much for the Louisville offense. And I think the Kentucky offense, Will Levis, Chris Rodriguez, it's going to be way too much for this Louisville defense to stop. The crowd's going to play a factor because that is a very underrated stadium. The crowd noise this year has really kicked it up a notch from what I've seen in the past. I got Kentucky taking this thing, man. 28-17. We're close, but we're going to have to pump the brakes on this one because this is going to be one game that we're going to have to disagree on. I like everything that you said. Kentucky has been a real solid team. Now, I've gone back and forth with this one, man, but Louisville has put up you know, some good numbers this year. They've actually had a couple of upsets on their own. But Kentucky, man, I mean, they're just – they're inconsistent this year. I mean, Will Levis is – you know, he's definitely, you know, still a professional, you know, a pro quarterback. He, he's going to go well in the draft. You know, Chris Rudd, he's still a good running back. But, man, they've had problems with that offensive line all season long, and I do not trust them. Louisville, you know, one thing that South Carolina was able to show when they beat Kentucky, man, is – Kentucky is susceptible to a run game. So, Louisville, I think, can get those backs going. I think that uh, your quarterback's also going to have a big game. I've got Louisville taking this one in a close, close game, though, 28-21. Mm. I don't see it. I don't see it. I just – I'll be honest with you. I think Scott Satterfield's on his last legs at Louisville unless he does something that really stands out and buys him some more time. This could be it. Mm-hmm. This could be it. But we're just going to have to agree to disagree on that one, man. Yeah. And I know, you know, crowd noise, being a home game, that's <coughs> – that does take um, – you know, that could go a different direction. But if there's one thing I know about that Kentucky crowd, man, is once you punch Kentucky in the mouth, 
that crowd gets sour because they're not used to having a good football team at Kentucky. They're not used to, you know, when they're up, they're up, but when they're down, they're way down. So I think Louisville can get them out of the out of the mix early. Okay, well, I guess the only way to find out is watch this thing and see. Oh, absolutely, man, absolutely. All right, on to the next one, man. This is one I can't wait to discuss. I had a hard time with this one, too. Wake Forest going to Duke, 3.30 p.m. on ACC Network. What you got? I'm dying to hear. This one's so hard to call, man, because you don't really know what Wake Forest team is going to show up. I mean, you still got a powerful offense, man, but there's just been so many times this season, so many games that that offense don't show up until later in the game or they don't show up at all. Duke, I mean, this Mike Oko defense, man, is one of the best in the game. But I can't help it, though. I feel like, you know, with the arm, the receiving, the running game that Wake Forest has got, I think they're going to pull it out. 35-27. The words of the great Lee Corso. Not so fast, my friend. <laughs> All right, Wake Forest, I see what you're saying there. Sam Harton's a sensational quarterback, but he has given up a lot of turnovers in the second half of the season. Yes. I mean, a lot of turnovers. This Wake Forest offensive line has struggled a little bit, especially with that very slow progressing play action they have. If you got a very aggressive defensive line, it's hard, hard, hard to get enough time to do that. And, and that's really, one thing Duke does have. It really puts Hartman in a tough position sometimes. Also, the Wake Forest offense, the rushing game has been extremely inconsistent. And you're going up against a Duke team that has been pretty well against defending the rush. I mean – this Duke team, one thing that I can say about them is you're looking at a team that started the year, started coming into the season. Nobody had no real expectations except the team itself and Mike Elko. I've loved what I've seen from this team from spring practice all the way to now. It's been one of the best stories to follow this year for me. It's given me joy to watch them play. And it's just every week they get better. Even when they lose, they find ways to take something from that loss and improve. Wake Forest, on the other hand, hasn't necessarily improved. They look like the same Wake Forest I've seen in week three. And I feel like the league's adjusted a little bit, and they're behind the ball on the adjustments. I got Duke pulling upset. 31-34, and the reason I say that is Wake Forest in these games that come down to just being a slobber knocker, as you love to say, when the going gets tough, they uh, find ways to mess up, man. They make critical mistakes. Where Duke has started the year off losing some close games to some very, very good teams, and they've started finding a way to win some close games. And Duke is, every game they've played them, they've been in it. And there's an old saying. You start off losing close, then you find a way to start winning close games. 
then you find a way to start winning big. I think this is going to be a, one of the winning close ones, but I got Duke taking this thing, man. 31-24. Or excuse me, 34-31. to 31. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. 34-31. <laughs> I like it. I like it. And, you know, I can't argue, man. I, I went back and forth with my predictions on this as well. I just I got to go – I just got to go with the experience on this. But, I mean, I can see that happening too, especially with Duke's defense, their defensive line. And one thing, that if you want to disrupt Sam Hartman, get a rush on him. Hit him a couple of times. Exactly. And also the thing you got to remember is this Wake Forest defense has not been pretty. No, it hasn't. So, another one we're disagreeing on, and I can't wait to see Duke win. Yeah, but I'll be honest with you. I mean, I would love to see them win as well. I think it would be a feather in the cap. I think it would be a hell of a note to go uh, go out on for Duke for this season. Absolutely. And that would be eight wins? I believe so. <laughs> that would be a hell of a turnaround, man. Right. You ain't lying. All right. Moving on. Syracuse versus, versus Boston College. What do you got? I'm not going to dive a whole lot into this one. I'll just be honest with you. Boston College has been a train wreck from start to finish. This team has regressed. 2020, Boston College was turning it around, man. They looked sensational. They looked really good. I was extremely impressed. And then last year they fell off, and I said, well, Jerkovic's injured, and we'll give them an excuse. This year, even with Jerkovic, they have looked horrendous. The backup quarterback came in there, and he, he actually has played very well, pretty good football. But all in all, Boston College just does not have it together. Syracuse is going to try to end the season on a high note. I got them taking this from 28-10. I like it. I like it a lot. All I'm going to say is just two words. Boston College. Syracuse wins 34-3. <laughs> you, had me, you had me a little nervous for me. I was about to say, what in the hell did you drink? I need to get a sip of that, man. Yeah, Boston College. Guys, I, I'm not trying to hate on y'all. I was excited to see y'all playing well. I would love to see y'all get back to the days of Matt Ryan. But this is another head coach who I think has got a scorching seat underneath him going into the offseason. I don't think coaches are going to be given the time they used to be given years ago to progress. I think it's a put-up-or-shut-up league, and especially if you start off hot and then you start regressing year after year, ain't a good look. Yeah. To quote an Eddie Murphy skit, what have you done for me lately? Exactly. Exactly. All right. On to the next. Pit at Miami. This is another difficult one, or – or at least it would have been at the beginning of the season. Excuse me. You're excused. My bad. Old bullfrog. <laughs> I'll give that a seven on the Richter scale. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this one, man, I mean, Pitt has really far exceeded my expectations for this year, man. I mean, that quarterback that they replaced Kenny Pickett with, man, he's, he's really done some good. They've had a running game this year. Defense hasn't been shabby. They've won some big games. 
I was really high, Miami, coming into this this season, man. If you'd asked me what this game would have been at the beginning of the season, I'd have been dominant. Just haven't progressed like I really thought they would have. I mean, this offensive line ain't as good as what I thought they would be. And they're, they're just really inconsistent. I'm going to take Pitt winning this one big, 34-10. Yeah, I'm not far off. I agree with you there, man. Pittsburgh has just been a pretty, pretty consistent team across the board. They haven't been what they were last year, but a lot of youth on that team. Defensive line is really aggressive. They really get after the quarterback. Secondary has been pretty good. Just consistent across the board. They haven't been great, but they've been pretty good. Miami, on the other hand, started the year off hot. I was drinking the Miami Hurricane with the best of them. Yes. <laughs> and they have they've disappointed me. And I'm not going to knock Miami. I'm not going to call for Crystal Ball or nobody else. I mean, Van Dyke has been injured all season. Yeah. That's been rough. Your offensive line is just – it's not there yet, guys. It's going to take some recruiting – to get this team to where you really want it to be. And, I mean, they're on path. Their recruiting classes have been sensational. Yeah. But there's a lot of youth in that program right now, a lot of confusion. It's just a bad matchup for Miami. I got Pittsburgh taking this thing 38-17. I like it. I like it. <clears throat> can't, uh, can't argue with you at all there, man. Like you said, it's just really been an inconsistency on the part of Miami. It's at Miami, but, you know, Miami, what kind of home field advantage does Miami have? They can't even fill the stands. That's right. And we're about to roll over to the SEC now. Guys, we have not forgot about Clemson. We're going to get to them at the end of the SEC because they're playing our team, my favorite team, South Carolina Gamecocks. Big Rob has converted over the years. <laughs> Uh, From the disgrace he used to pull for. But uh, let's get this SEC train rolling, shall we? Let's look at it, man. (laughs) Thursday night, Turkey Day. Mississippi State, Cowbell. Plays the lane train, Ole Miss. 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the ESPNs. What you got for me? It is in Oxford at Ole Miss. That stadium is going to be rocking its ass off. It's the Egg Bowl. Lane Kiffin has owned it since he got there. And there's been a lot of distractions, a lot of noise this week, though, about Lane Kiffin possibly leaving, saying he's going down to Auburn. Been a lot of outside noise, a lot of doubts. And a couple of years ago, Dan Mullen was the head coach of Mississippi State. Coming into the Egg Bowl, there was a lot of rumors coming out. He was leaving going to Florida, a lot of outside noise. He had owned Mississippi State to that point. Ended up dropping one on his way out. <clears throat> I don't see that happening. I think Lane Kiffin has almost used this outside noise almost as a little bit of an advantage for Mississippi State to kind of come in a little bit laid back and thinking they're going to have it easy. And if this was week two or week three of the season, I would have took Mississippi State all day. Hell, if it was at Mississippi State, I probably would still go with the cowbell. Yep. But 
Mike Leach has been Mike Leach's coaching in this Mississippi State team this year has just been extremely inconsistent. I mean, they've shown us on certain weeks they can play with anybody in the country. How they could beat anybody in the country on certain weeks. But there's other weeks where I believe Appalachian State would cut their ass. Yeah. And Lane Kiffin, you can always expect him to have a great offensive game plan. But it's all this defense has stepped up and played pretty well throughout the season at times. <clears throat> and I just even if Kiffin does leave, I got Lane Kiffin going out with a bang. I got Ole Miss taking this one once again. 31-28. Have to agree. Have to agree to a point with you, man. I mean, Lane Kiffin is the mastermind when it comes to trolling people. And he's used this kind of as a joke to kind of calm his team down a little bit. <clears throat> you know, compared to what other coaches can do. Mississippi State, they're a hell of a ball club. Like you said, inconsistency in coaching. I mean, some days the run game's there. You know, they can throw the ball down the field with the best up in the air rate. But I think at this point, I think Lane Kiffin's wanting to make a statement, whether or not this is his last game or not at Ole Miss. I've got him taking it 31-17. Sounds good. Sounds good. I have no disagreements there whatsoever. All right. On to the next Friday night. Well, Friday afternoon, actually. Yeah. 3.30 p.m. I'm going to be working for the first hour of this game. That sucks. I won't. I'll go back to <laughs> I ain't got to be mean till Monday. There you go. Must be nice. It's not. <laughs> All right. Arkansas and Missouri. Both teams have really just been inconsistent, I think is the best word to say there. One week you've got a Missouri team that looks like can play with anybody in the country. The next week, you know, it looks like somebody like Marshall University would be able to smack them in the mouth. And then you've got Arkansas, man. Another team that really started out looking like they could compete for the West. And then all of a sudden, man, it just let loose. But yeah, it just Arkansas has been extremely inconsistent. I don't know what to think about that program. Honestly, I really don't. I don't either, man. I mean, they could, you know, eventually pull it out, get some more recruiting in. But I'm gonna take Arkansas this game. I've got them taking it seventeen to ten. Yeah, I gotta agree with you there. Missouri's had a great defense all year. They really have. Their defensive front has been relentless. Mm -hmm. I mean, absolutely relentless. But Arkansas, man, it's the last game of the year. You know Sam Pittman's going to get these guys ready to go. Right. You know he's going to find a way to fire them up for this last game. And they got a running back wearing the jersey number five. Yep. I said earlier this year when they played South Carolina. If I see a running back anytime, I don't care anytime in the future. He's a running back and he's wearing number five of the great Darren McFadden. Mm -hmm. That scares the shit. That scares the crap out of me. <laughs> Excuse the language. 
trying to keep it a little better this week, guys. But uh, <laughs> that scares the crap out of me. Number five playing for Arkansas running back. Missouri's just been up and down, up and down. I believe they're still trying to get bowl eligible. They might have got their sixth win last week. Hell, let me look it up. <laughs> Guys, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big Drink Wits fan, so I don't, <laughs> I'm not even going to lie to y'all. I don't keep up with Missouri too terribly much. Oh, crazy Eli. But yeah, man, I mean, it, this Missouri team, Missouri Tigers, they have so much potential, man. One week it'll look like you know they could they could take over the world, but the next week it looks like Eli might be on the way out. He, he may need to go. I mean, you just it's like a box of chocolates, man. You never know what you're going to get. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, man, the running game it's really good. But that front that front seven on that defensive line is just dominant. I mean, look what they they did to South Carolina, man. Stopping the running game and just just doing what they could, man. You know, it's, they're just real physical up front. Those deep, those linebackers. Yeah, Missouri's playing for a bowl game this week. They've only won five games to this oh. point. Sorry, guys. You good? Mm-mm-mm. So Missouri's going to be putting a fight. They want that six win. Cause if Eli is not bowl eligible and he just got an extension, oh, God. Yeah. There'll be a mutiny. You ain't lying. Arkansas is bowl eligible mm-hmm. at this point. What's your final score take? I think you said it's second good. Yeah, 17-10. Arkansas? Yep. I like it. I'm going to have to go with the same take. I got Arkansas taking the same 28-24. 28-24. Close game. Close game. I like it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Let's go on down to Sweet Home, Alabama. We got Auburn at Alabama at 3.30 p.m. on the CBS. Yes, sir. You want me to take this one? Yeah, you go ahead and take this one first. All right. Guys, the Iron Bowl. It's the Iron Bowl. You don't ever know what the hell to expect. Let's just be honest. It could go any damn way. Auburn this year has been a disaster. But... Since Coach Cadillac, I like that Coach Cadillac, got a <laughs> ring to it. Everybody talks about Coach Prime with Dion. I like Coach Cadillac better. Coach Caddy. Yes, sir. Since Coach Caddy came into the picture and took this team over, man, they have been playing with a newfound life. They have been playing with so much heart. It's been unreal how much heart they have played with. They have fought their asses off. And I think they're going to come in this game fighting their asses off. I really do. But the downside is, I think Alabama, on the other hand, is just immensely talented. Talented. You got Nick Saban, who's always going to try his best to beat down on Auburn and beat up on Auburn. And it's in Tuscaloosa. I got Bama taking this one. 31-21. I think Auburn's going to put up a fight for a while, but Bama's going to make it a two-possession game towards the end. I like it. I like it. The thing with Auburn, man, like you said, Coach Gaddy's got to play with so much heart. They figured out a run game under Coach Caddy that was missing 
this season all the way up until he got there. Well, they found a way to utilize one of the best running backs on the nation, Tanks Dukes. To be, I don't know what in the hell Brian Harson was doing all season. I don't know if he got amnesia or what over here all season, if he bumped his head. He's right there. He didn't go nowhere. I almost feel like Tank was getting punished for entering the portal in the offseason and deciding to come back. And I think that was just Harson's way of giving him the middle finger, if you will. Yeah, that worked out great for him. He's at soup line, and Tank Bigsby's going to go to the NFL draft, more than likely. <laughs> Alabama. What can I say about Alabama? They're Alabama. Little Nicky, he's not going to lose three, three in a season, I don't think. I've got Alabama pulling it out, but I've got Auburn battling all the way to the end. I've got Alabama winning the last seconds of the game, 35-31. That would be pretty damn exciting. That would be that would be cool to see. Even if Auburn lost, I'd be still almost a. I'm not a big moral victory guy, but that'll be almost a little bit of a moral victory for Auburn going into the off season. I think so. Auburn's playing to get bowl eligible in this game. Yes, they are. I didn't even think about that. Interesting. Anyways, on to the next. Going against them Texas A&M Aggies. No, 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 no. Coach O ain't there no more. We got the Tigers. We got the Tigers going up against them Texas A&M Aggies. <laughs> Sound like a damn Frenchman. <laughs> What's funny is the Cajuns actually originated from French, Canadian French people, but nah, he sounds like a straight Frenchman. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't lying there. What you got on this one here, brother? LSU is playing for a chance at to go into the playoffs now with Tennessee's loss and with a little bit of help from their friends, LSU could get into the playoffs. It's not out of the question. Texas A&M, <laughs> I don't know, man. They just screwed the pooch this year. I mean, they just, they've gone downhill fast and, LSU is going to take this game in a fashion that, that you've not seen them take it before with Texas A&M. 49-27 is the final. Damn it, man. I got to agree with you there. And I almost don't want to because I just had something. I just thought about something. I can't believe I didn't think about it until just now. But uh, Well, if you want a chance to uh, redo your, your numbers, go right on ahead, brother. Yeah. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I will. Just give me one second here. All right. But the reason I'm taking LSU this game, like I said, man, is just just for the fact that they are so close to getting into the playoffs. They they've got a running game now, a running attack. Quarterbacks are playing <clears throat> tremendously, man. Defense is is reminiscent of LSU of old. I've just you know even at the beginning of the season they didn't look that good, but Coach Kelly's just just got these guys improved for the most part, so. That's why I'm taking LSU. All right. LSU's got the better better coaching staff, and at this point of the year, the better team coming into this game. Brian Kelly's playing for a chance to go to the playoffs his first year at LSU. <clears throat> Kudos. I did not call that in not the preseason. Not I, did not, I did not like the fit of this, but it has turned out to be a match made in heaven somehow. 
how the hell it happened, I don't know, but somehow. But this is something I just thought about that I really don't like. LSU's playing at College Station. Mm-hmm. They're riding high. They're riding the wave. They got playoffs on their mind. But on top of that, they got Georgia in the SEC Championship, who they're going to have to try to beat to get to the playoffs. They got their mind on a lot of things. Texas saying them, there's no tomorrow. Season's over. This is it. You're not going to a bowl game this year. It's already out the picture. This is just one last ride in College Station. One last Saturday night. One last chance for Jimbo to try to redeem himself in some kind of way and go out on a positive note. And I think he's going to throw everything at him. And I think this team's going to come in there with a chip on their shoulder, fired up. And they did finally get a win last week. The more I think about it, I think the LSU Cinderella story is going to come to an end in College Station. I got, I got LSU dropping this thing, 28-31. Goodness gracious, goodness gracious. Change of heart at the last minute there, brother. <laughs> but that's just there's a lot of things. And Brian Kelly in the biggest picture, he was able to do it earlier this year against Alabama, but then I thought about the Alabama game, right? He upset him. It was a huge upset. But was it really that much pressure on him in that game? Nobody expected you to win. Right. <clears throat> you know, the more I sit here and think about it, you've almost got me talking into it, but I'm going to stick with my numbers. But one thing that I will add on that I didn't think about until you said what you said also, <clears throat> Brian Kelly, when it comes to <clears> – <throat> the postseason, playoffs, any sort of stress, he always folds under pressure. And he, I don't know, man. I mean, he's never really won the big game. He's got Notre Dame to the playoffs before. They just got massacred. But this LSU team is a different team than what Notre Dame was. So we'll see. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see if, if the Brian Kelly of old comes out and he's just not able to take advantage, or if this is a new Brian Kelly with a new team that can go in and punch people in the mouth. We'll see. Me personally, I don't I don't see the stars line up for him. I think it's still gonna be a hell of a season for him. I feel I still think they're gonna play in a huge bowl game at the end of the year. Either way, they're still going to the SEC championship. Right. But and that's a hell of a note to take LSU in your first season in the SEC championship. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, on to the next. 7.30 p.m. SEC Network. Live from Nashville, Tennessee. The big rocking house. Not really. <laughs> Who am I kidding? Anchors down, though. We got Tennessee. Number how the hell are they number five? They ain't number five no damn more. I think it changed. They're number break number ten now. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, what the hell? <laughs> number ten, Tennessee, going to Vanderbilt. This is going to be a great game to watch. And normally I wouldn't say that because it's Vanderbilt. But look at the body of work they've done the last two weeks. They have found a role. They're on a wave. 
I mean, this defense, man, has been just just holding people up. Your running game has been dominant. Tennessee on a second-string quarterback. Now, given he was <clears throat> starter last season, he Milton, does have a rocket arm. I was like, Milton's damn impressive. I mean, he looked pretty good against Carolina when he was in there last week. Just his accuracy just was a little bit off to me. It was a hair off. I mean, you're coming in, you're trying to win a game that's out of your reach at this point. Yeah. But <clears throat> Tennessee, to their you know to their credit, they do have a good run team. We'll just see what defense shows up. If it's going to be the same as what showed up in South Carolina, or if it's what showed up in Alabama, we'll see. But I'm going to take Tennessee winning this game in heartbreaking fashion. I'm going to take Tennessee winning 42-24. Damn, it's close again, man. <laughs> I agree with everything you say there. Vanderbilt's had a great run. You'd, I'd love to see them get more eligible. That would be great. That would just be great for the SEC East. Yeah. Period. But Tennessee, man, after that blowout last week, you know they got a really bad taste in their mouth right now. Milton is going to have a full a whole week now to prepare with the first team guys. You're not having to travel far. You're traveling right down the road. Vandy's Cinderella run, even though it's only for bowl eligibility. I also have it coming to an end in this one, going down 42-20. to 20. I like it. I like it. And don't get me wrong, guys. I mean, this Cinderella run for Vandy has really been a Cinderella run. You went – how many games was it with that winning a – SEC game before they beat Kentucky? Since 2019, I think it was. Yeah, I mean, so it's been it's been a while. You made some strides. I mean, hell, you won five games as compared to last year. I think you only won two. <clears throat> so, I mean, hats off to you guys. I mean, the season may be coming to an end if you don't beat Tennessee. But, I mean, at the same time, man, you guys. There's a lot of things to build off of there. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right, let's go on to last but not least. Last but certainly not least, South Carolina at Death Valley Clemson. What you got? We'll let you start out this one. First of all, why the hell is this a damn noon game? The hell if I know. I'm, uh, I'm just kidding. I think they're probably looking at the scores of the last several years. And well, maybe that, but they also might look at that Florida game when they yeah. When they made this game up, this is probably the hardest one out of all of them for me to pick because both of these teams have flip flop throughout this year. They've shown the highest of highs and they've shown the lowest of lows. Clemson, to me, still has. One of the top five, top six defense in the nation. They're going to be tough. DJ Oliungale had a sensational game last week. Showed what he can really do. But he's had great games in the past. And normally the following week afterwards, he has a little bit of a letdown. Mm-hmm. But you can't count out Kate. Excuse me. You can't count out Will Shipley. Right back. And, I mean, if Uli Ungle plays bad, they got Cade Klovnik, who's showed great potential. On the other hand, South Carolina, 
Spencer Rattler showed last week that he has the talent and can play at the level of any quarterback in college football. South Carolina's offense showed that they can score points and play with any offense in college football when the circumstances are right, <laughs> when the stars line up. But they also have played good games and then followed it up playing an egg. So this one here, guys, I just I got to come from the heart on this one. Biggest things I look at is what each team does, what their weaknesses have been throughout the year, what's been their strengths, etc. Just put a whole body of work. And what have you done lately for me? Clemson has shown a little bit of weakness to two things this year. Well, actually, they've shown weakness to three things this year. Clemson tries their damnedest to get after you with their defense. But they have a little bit of vulnerability with that, with Wake Forest. They ended up winning that game at the end because Wake Forest did not have a rushing attack that could compare with Clemson's defense. They just they couldn't find a way to run the ball on them. But Sam Hartman was finding a way to sling the ball deep over the top, and Clemson's secondary over the top did not look its best. And that's been something that's been ongoing for several years now. But the best way to disguise a bad secondary is a great front seven, and that's something Clemson has. But against Syracuse, Clemson took away the passing game. Garrett Schrader and his receivers are not best for throwing the ball over the top. Clemson locked that down pretty damn well. But Garrett Schrader ran the ball down their throat damn near the whole day off of read options, bringing in jet sweep, stuff like that, to keep the Clemson defense off balance. Notre Dame did a very similar thing, ran the ball all over Clemson. A lot of read options, a lot of jet sweeps, almost triple option-style RPO plays. Last week against Tennessee, and last week does not matter, guys. It does not matter. Last week was last week. But the reason I'm saying these things is last week against Tennessee, as much as I don't like talking about this, South Carolina threw the ball over the top. They showed they got receivers. They can get down there and throw the ball over the top. They showed they can pick up blitzes and heavy pressure. They made some changes that probably should have been made a lot sooner. Showed it. If Radler can get a little bit of time, he can make big plays downfield. They also showed that they can change the running game up and not necessarily depend on a tailback. They can use other weapons, such as the carry-on joiner. Bring in Jet Sweep with a Marion Brown, Gene Bell, guys like that, Juice Wells. He could also keep it and run it. He could also throw it. Triple option style threat there. And then if you bring back Marshawn Lloyd, you don't know what the hell you're getting. You have no idea what in the hell you're getting in this game. On the flip side, South Carolina, their biggest weakness all year has been stopping the run. And Clemson has one hell of a running attack. Yep. And that can pose a big, a big issue for South Carolina. But... If Carolina can find a way to keep the Clemson 
offense in front of them and not behind them like they did against Tennessee. It's going to be a very close game. It's going to come down to turnovers. It's going to be a lot closer game than we've seen in years past. I'll quit beating around the bush. I got South Carolina winning, 35-24. Okay. Did not see that coming. <laughs> I mean, I hope, I hope, I hope you're correct. And you made a very valid point with the triple options, Dag Joyner, Spencer throwing it over the top, our wide receivers. I mean, the last week was just – I mean, it was just magical. <coughs> But sadly, you just don't know what you're going to get with this South Carolina team. One week, they're on top of the world. The next week, they look like complete and total garbage. I mean, sad. I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get with Sat. And if we can do the quick, you know, the quick plays, being able to, to set it up with down the field, be able to hold that front seven that is just dominant, then we can win the game. But I feel like this running game is going to be too much for Clemson. Excuse me. He's going to go off. I think Louis Ungle is going to throw a little wrench in the thing. It is going to be a close game. It's going to be the closest it's been in a long, long time. I've got Clemson winning, though. I hate to say it, and I hope, I hope, I hope I'm wrong. 35-28. Not knock on that wood for me. Yeah, and I mean... In all reality, if you're South Carolina, it matters how you lose a football game yeah. just as much as how you win. If you can at least go out here and make a ball game out of something, I mean, how long has it been since South Carolina has really made this a ball game? Second year bus champ, maybe? I wouldn't even say that. I mean, year three of bus champ, they had the game where Jake Bentley and the boys – Put up some incredible numbers, but hell, they still lost that game, I think, 56 to 42. Yeah, I think it was like maybe a two touchdowns or a touchdown yeah. or a field goal, something like that. I mean, realistically, it hadn't been a close game since Sean Elliott yeah. in 2015. 2015, 2016, something like that, yeah. 15. 2015. So, yeah, man, it's, I don't know. We'll agree to disagree on that one as well. I hope I tell I'm right. I hope I tell I'm wrong. I pray that I'm wrong. But that's just a game that can go either way. And I mean, guys, on rivalry week, any of these games could go anyway. Absolutely, absolutely. Except for Georgia and Georgia Tech, that's not going anyway. No. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Yellow Jackets. Georgia's coming to town on a big old can of raid. <laughs> Big old flask water. Yes. <laughs> but, all that being said, man, you got anything you want to add to this thing? I just want to say, you know, this being the end of football season as far as regular season goes, I just want to, you know, say thank you to everybody that's tuned in, listened to us, you know, followed us on the, the socials and, you know, just communicated back with us, man. It's meant a lot. It's been so much fun this season talking to y'all. I know we haven't always been here, you know, week after week or really been consistent. We at least try to get one show out for you at least every week. 
we're going to continue to do that even through the off season. Uh, we, we, I just want to say we appreciate y'all. Thank y'all so much. Oh, as always, as always, man, I agree 100% with everything you just said. Thank y'all so much. Thank y'all, really. It's just a joy to have people talk football with me. Enjoy talking football. We enjoy getting the feedback. They mean so much to us. You would not believe. And like he said, uh, during the offseason, this thing doesn't stop. This is football year-round over here. Yes, football sir. season is year-round for us because, I mean, as soon as these games are over, we got bowl games coming up. Since bowl games are over, you got national signing day. Mm-hmm. Then you got all the offseason recruiting. We got coaching changes. You know there's always going to be that fun stuff. It never stops here. Never stops. And we're not going to stop, and we hope you all stick it out with us. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You can find us here anytime. We're always going to be here for you. That's right. Well, guys, we appreciate it. And hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving with their families. Hope everybody stays safe. Put a big emphasis on that. Stay safe. Eat that turkey. Get sleepy. Take a nap on the couch. Don't get in the car and drive. You want to have a few drinks? Chill at the house. Don't get in the car and drive. Safety first, guys. We got to get to game day. Yes, sir. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, until next time, let's keep those drinks cold. Let's keep those chains moving.